And my daddy always used to say to me, you know, we are all have, we all have to play in the same sandbox. You can, it's life is long. It's not short as life is very long and you need each other. You have to have those relationships. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Amy Mills, and I am really excited to have her on. She's the owner and chief strategist of what Sean Walchef of Cali Barbecue Media has described as one of the best barbecue brands on earth. Uh, the award-winning 17th Street Barbecue started by her father in 1985. Uh, she's currently running the show, steering that ship down these crazy waters we call present day. Um, she's also a judge on numerous series on the Food Network and Cooking Channel. She's the author of Peace, Love, and Barbecue, as well as Praise the Lard. Uh, and if you can't tell, she doesn't have a lot of free time through all that. But when she does have free time, she's a speaker and consultant around the country. Really excited, Amy, to have you on our episode today of Give an Ovation. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure. I'm so excited to get to know you better and to chat all things restaurants. There we go. So first of all, talk to us a little bit about 17th Street. This, this is a brand, you don't see many restaurants that have been around since 1985, much less, as I just found out, the same location. Yes, so yes. So in how, our tell location, us about that. Um, we have been, we're the fourth owners of this location. It's been a bar and grill for over a hundred years. And when we bought it, in 1985, my dad turned it into a restaurant as well as this, as this beautiful bar um, that may or may not have belonged to Al Capone. I can't <laughs> confirm, neither confirm nor deny. Um, out, of, out of a speakeasy in Chicago. But we added, you know, barbecue and other like family recipes to this. When I was little, you could go through the drive-thru and get bags of burgers or hamburger burgers or barbecues to take home. But women and children did not go into the bar. So that has obviously changed now. But for over 100 years, a barbecue sandwich and a burger were served in this location. So it's really drive-thru. I I did not realize that drive-thru was even that old. Well, the drive through and it still looks like this. You pull up, you ring a doorbell, there's no menu, you have to know what you want, and someone will come to the window and take your order. Oh, kind of like a car hop. Exactly, exactly. Super and then they'll, cool. bring, then they'll bring it back. And in fact, um, during COVID, we actually had some big menu boards made on corrugated plastic and hung them up. For the first time ever, there are some menus outside. <laughs> so we tried to make it a little easier for people finally. Interesting. How, how hard is that operationally? I mean, like um, to deal with the parking stalls. Well, there's no parking stall. You just pull up to the window, ring the doorbell, get your food and then pull around. And if you've ordered something that will take a while, they'll say, you know, pull up and we'll bring it out to you. Got you. So it's not, it's, it's a real drive through. There's just no speaker or, you know, nothing. Fa- they, you have to ring the doorbell to let them know you're there. There's no sensor or anything like that. Uh, that is awesome. 
and very old school. Yeah. So is that do you do you keep it that way because of the the branding, like the mystique of it? Because I mean, obviously, there's technology that can you know can probably help, <laughs> help that out. But I'm yeah. sure that I mean, is is that part of it? Like it's it's this fun kind of old timey. Harken back to the day. Yes, it is. We do have a restaurant we built uh, and that opened in 2004 in a neighboring town. And that one is a little more high tech. And there is a real drive through <laughs> with a mechanism and a speaker in that location. But I think that's just part of the charm of this location. There's nothing about this that you could replicate. You know, you have to walk two steps up and push the door in. Nothing is to code. I'm all grandfathered in. <laughs> That's, I know back in the day before people could sue, that was, you know, you used to Look be able to do date. anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Just, just walk into the kitchen and grab your own food. It's all cooked there for you. So anyway, exactly. super cool. So um, now obviously you guys, you know, we've heard about some very sad things that happened during COVID of very established brands who weren't able to make it. Uh, you guys are not on the list. So or not, thank goodness. Right. And so, so talk to me a little bit about um, what, what did you try? What did you do, uh, start to do? And then what did you learn throughout this last year? So many lessons. The first thing we learned is that very quickly our sales plummeted. We were doing like two to $500 a day through this drive through only. And very oh quickly gosh. we decided to completely shut and just take a breather. And that I think was so important and, you know, that it was, it felt horrible, but there's, there is no shame in hibernating or taking a breather because it really allowed us to regroup. And instead of all hands on deck, trying to save the sinking ship, we were like, okay, here, let's just take a break. Here's what's going to happen. So at that time, between all of our locations, we also have a big, where, where I am right now, this is our event center and warehouse. So we have our mail order operation two event rooms, catering kitchen, our offices. So every event, you know, was immediately canceled. We were able to be in here and just regroup. So we had 106 employees and we went down to five very quickly. Oh my gosh. So five of us are trying to figure out, oh my God, we have to ship out. Mail order boomed to figure out how to ship all this stuff out because we laid off the person who did the mail order. So that, you know, we had a little learning curve there. But it do, really, do you, by the way, sorry, mail order through Gold Belly or through yourself? We have, we do Gold Belly and we do our own. Wow. So we have our own Shopify cart. Mm-hmm. So between those two things, a lot happened very quickly. Um, and luckily, well, I can talk about that more in the tech, but it really allowed us to, to take a breather. And so at that point, we thought, oh, this isn't going to last that long. Um, <laughs> wouldn't this be a great time to redo the bathrooms? since we're closed and uh, that kitchen floor needs quarry tile. Right now it's concrete and let's do that. Why not, why not spend some money and do that? And oh, by the way, our walk-in is about to cave in. So let's take all that out too. So we embarked on three really big rehab projects that were kind of expensive, not knowing what was really coming down the pike. In retrospect, I'm still glad we did those things because we would never have it opportunity to disrupt our business and, you know, destroy the bathroom, destroy the kitchen, take everything out. Um, you know, so we had to do that. But when we started bringing people back, we, we waited till, so we closed down really like very soon 
three in three days from now is when we closed a year ago. We reopened in Marion first because our bathrooms were all torn up. The people who told me two weeks took like eight weeks to finish all oh my that. Gosh, I know. Um, but we 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 were able to rehire some of our good managers, but we totally restructured our management team and the way it all operated. So we have these two locations that are 22 miles apart, but they were felt very separate. So now we made these two people, the general managers over both. So they're going back and forth to both places. Everyone feels like they're getting the same attention. The culture feels the same in both places um, because it's just, everything is more consistent. So that was a huge positive change. And then we really started just rehiring the best people. So that felt really good. Prior to that, the only other thing we did with just, and maybe we got up to like 10 people by this time, we decided that we needed to still be in the Easter ham game. So we have always sold hams in our restaurant and side dishes and various things. So we sent out emails and took orders, but people could come and pick them up in our restaurant, in our warehouse facility. And that was so popular because at this point, remember, people are just afraid to go to the store. They're afraid to go anywhere. Uh Then we came up with this idea of, we called it 17th Street and Friends Family Packs. So for probably eight weeks, every weekend, we partnered with a local pie shop orchards, breweries, oh, super cool. bacon, and that plus our own, you know, one week we would do ribs and barbecue. One week we would do nacho kits. One week we would do all appetizers. We just repackaged our 17th street food to feed a big family. And then you could buy all those other things as well. And we had big boxes that people would stop by and pick up. So that was really fun. It took a, we didn't have enough people. So it took a lot of effort to get this all going each week, but it kept us busy. It kept us in the game. People locally were excited about what we were doing and they really, really liked that we included other people. It was very collaborative and it just felt it was a real feel good thing. So that was definitely a win. I think. Do you, do you feel like that, um, and I know you guys obviously have a great established brand, but do you feel like bringing in these other people, did that help get the word out there more? Like, do you feel like sales were increased because of that? Or do you feel like hey, it was more of just like a community thing to get people together? Did that, that help at all from a financial perspective? I, it didn't really help financially because we gave them all their money. So there were weeks that we wrote more checks out than we took in oh. ourselves because, you know, we're having to pay all those people. And we paid them retail. Like we were trying to help them stay oh, in business wow. too. So it wasn't so much about the money as it was about like, you know, we're all here struggling together. Let's support each other and do this fun thing. Yeah. Interesting. And do you feel like uh, that you, you were able to reach more people? Like, did they, did they bring you any new customers or do you feel like it really was kind of a community, you know, we're in this together type thing? No, they definitely did. We asked each of them to put it on their platforms and we certainly got new customers from that who have remained customers, which is really nice. It really helped us build our local email list for sure. Got it. Super cool. And so, so you, the family packs and how how did those go? Are you still doing them? 
we do them sporadically. So right now we're ramping up for Easter um, and we've done them a little bit even into the fall, but where we would do over a hundred, we might, you know, it really dropped. So now we have other ways for people to get the food. So you can, you can do curbside, drive-through, delivery, outdoor dining and indoor dining at 25% capacity. So you have many more options now, but we will do those packs for Easter. And, you know, I anticipate that will be really busy. Yeah. And, and by the way, we could, we could take this next question out if you don't want it in there, but how are comps to, to like last year or 2019? Terrible. It's 80% down. Oh my gosh. No way. It's coming back up. Um, especially the weather being nicer and the light, the daylight savings time, or just even before that, it was getting lighter yeah, and thing lighter later. So that has helped definitely, but um, it's, we're definitely down. Yeah. And so what are you doing it's in terms of like optimization of, of the restaurant? Is there anything that you guys were able to do to help that? Did you guys realize that, you know, speak some meat terms, right? Was, was there any fat, fat that needed to get trimmed? So much fat. So <laughs> I was always really proud of the way we operated. And my, my dad is the sharpest, savviest. Like he is so, he was just so amazing at what he did. And so much of it was intuitive. Um, and I felt that we had this really lean ship and like, we didn't even know lean. We are really lean now for sure. But, you know, we took that opportunity to do a couple things. Um, fortunately two years prior, we had switched our POS to toast. So that allowed us to do online ordering very easily. It allowed us to do QR codes, which have not really been embraced here at all. (laughs) People don't like that. That's okay. But they really do like the online ordering. Like that has been shocking how well, how much that has been embraced. And we took our menu, which was way too big and we knew it, but we, took a two page, 11 and eight and a half by 14 menu to one page. We made all of our barbecue. Did you just make it smaller font? Cause I do that in college. Just make my we, fonts bigger. Slash, <laughs> slash, slash, slash. No Items way. that were dogs had to go. And then. How, but but what, what, is, what is the brushback been? I mean, like, isn't that like kind of cutting off your children? Isn't that hard? Sort of. What's funny. The first day we reopened, I had one person who ordered like five things that got cut. <laughs> I was like, you are the unicorn. <laughs> no, we, these things got cut because nobody was ordering them. And how are you ordering all of these things? So, but it allowed us to also move to more of a um, meat market style menu. So all of our barbecue was sold by the pound and all of our sides are either by the serving, by the pint or by the quart. So people can come in and, design a whole big tray that they can share with the table versus getting the two meat or the five meat or, oh, I just want a pound of pork. So it really allowed you to have more flexibility in the menu. There's definitely been some retraining of our guests because they're like, where's the grand champion platter? And we have to Um, say, well, you can make that, but here's how you do it. You have to design that yourself. So a little, um, but then half our business is out of town, out of state, out of country. So they have no preconceived notion of what we're about. So they think it's fine. So we're, yeah. it's just retraining our local guests um, of just a new way of ordering. Interesting. And, and you haven't gotten a lot of pushback from guests on that. I mean, a little, 
a little, but okay. nothing, nothing that's like people aren't getting online and getting uh signing these thousand signature petitions to get you yeah. guys shut down because you yeah. took off that one sausage that someone orders once a week. <laughs> no. The other thing we did is we spent a lot of time food costing. And if I could encourage any restaurateur to do anything, it's to go through this exercise that is so painful, but really looking at what that food costs and including in that some percentage for, for, you know, labor. And we have to think about the pieces of wood, the sauce, the seasoning, all the extra things that go into making those items because the real cost is shocking. And we raised our prices. Um, we are definitely the most expensive barbecue around, but we are protein-based. We use certified Angus beef. We use um, our pork is a Duroc cross pork. Everything is very high quality and we have to charge for that high quality. So we definitely get some shock about the prices. Um, I had a very funny review not long ago that said, for the price of this, I could have eaten at Red Lobster. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> okay. Oh, oh my gosh, no. Perhaps you should go way. to Red Lobster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Amy, <laughs> that just hurts. It's like I saw on Facebook Hacker. one time someone Hacker said, someone said, you want a hack for a fine Italian meal? Get a gift card. So they just gotten married. And so she's like, I took my gift card uh, from Walmart, went to Walmart, bought an Olive Card gift card, with my Walmart gift card and had a fine Italian meal at Olive Garden. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I the Jersey in me was like crying. I know. I know. That that we hurts do not have me. Olive Garden here, believe it or not. But every economic development meeting I go to, somebody will say, you know, we need to get an Olive Garden here, and it, it's just like a knife to the heart, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, hey, I'm not going to hate on their breadsticks, but. Um, Amy, that is, that is really funny. And yeah, that, I, I love that too. Cause when you stay true to your brand and when you're doing things better, it's like, look, it's hard to keep up with prices over since 1985, right? It's, it's right. hard to know at what point do you do that? And at some point, like you just got to make that decision. And so anyway, applaud you for doing that. And, and I think that it's um, a lot more people when, when, when consumers are eating out, uh, they are understanding that, look, we're going to have to spend a little bit more, right? Especially right. when it comes to the proteins. Um, uh, you know, most consumers are kind of seeing that across the board. So in, in the last, last minute or two here, Amy, would love to hear what piece of advice would you have to restaurant owners, operators? Okay. Well, I was thinking about this a lot when you sent me those questions and my, um, my thought is this, embrace your relationships that you have locally. We all need each other. This is the most divisive time I've ever seen in history. And it's even affecting restaurateur to restaurateur relationships. It's, it's political, it's safety. Um, you know, we have people in our area who have stayed open. We have people who don't follow quite the same kind of rules, but you have no idea what is happening in that person's business. Um, if you're a breakfast place who just serves eggs and toast and whatever, without a whole lot of parking, you are not going to be a, all of a sudden 
have the same business if you try to do takeout. So lots of things have happened here and lots of people have gotten into fights with each other about what's going on. And my daddy always used to say to me, you know, we are all have, we all have to play in the same sandbox. You can, it's life is long. It's not short as life is very long and you need each other. You have to have those relationships. This is all going to come and go, but you need to like keep your eyes on your own paper and stay in your own lane and support your fellow restaurateurs because we do need each other. We need each other as a support system. Uh, we need each other to thrive. It's not going to be good for anyone if we lose any more restaurants. We make up the fabric and the culture of a town and we add you know, texture. We do not wanna to be towns of just fast food restaurants. So the more that we can support each other, um, the better. Amen. Love that, Amy. He, here are my key takeaways. Number one, um, have, if you don't have, get one and stay true to your brand. Like who, who your brand really is, especially as you're looking to expand locations. I love how you talked about working with your GMs to make sure that it, it looked, felt the same across the, the different locations too. Um, I love what you said, you know, in aggregate, it's like, look, if you feel like you're drowning, sometimes you need to stop swimming and look up and see where you're swimming to, uh, in life, in business. Love, love that uh, advice. Three, there's a lot more fat than you think there is. Um, so look at the menu, look at the food costing, but even besides that, I love what you said too. Sometimes you got to raise your prices and it's okay. And guests are, are going to be forgiving. Don't kill them, but you know, Rate, you know, you got to raise your price to stay in business. And then lastly, uh, I love, I love what your dad said. We all have to play in the same sandbox and life is long. So let's embrace the relationships. Let's come together both as a virtual and as a physical community. And that's one of the great things about restaurants is it's one of the few community pillars that there are left. And I love that we don't have dance halls anymore, right? We got right. restaurants right. and that's, that's how we get together. Um, Love that. Amy, it has been such an honor to have you on uh, this podcast of Give Innovation. How do people find you, follow you? Um, I'm at 17th Street BBQ on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm Amy Mills. Awesome. Well, for being such a great example, for staying around, for staying strong, for trying new things and letting us know what's worked, what hasn't. Today's ovation goes to you, Amy. Thank you so much again for joining us. Zach, it was such a pleasure. I'm so excited to know you and I can't wait to work together again in the future. Awesome. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.